For those joining us uh, for the first time, the last couple of weeks, as Karen mentioned in the children's message, we've been talking about forgiveness. Matthew 18, 21 to 35 is based on a parable that Jesus told, and we read that one a couple weeks ago, but Jesus told this parable about a master canceling his servant's massive amount of debt. And this reminded us that God has canceled our massive amount of debt, or sins. And we're called to do the same to others, cancel their debts. Last week, we looked at the story of Joseph and his brothers based on Genesis 45, 1-15, and how God orchestrated these brothers coming together and restoring their relationship and healing the pain. And we're reminded that although humanity has sinful plans, that God will use these sinful plans and all these messes for his glory and for his greater plan. And so today we look at Luke 7, verses 36 to 50. And this story involves Jesus, involves a Pharisee called Simon and a sinful woman, perhaps a prostitute, no names given. And as we continue to be challenged by God's word in our relationship with Jesus, we ask ourselves if we are a little sinner or if we're a big sinner. And are we in need of big grace? Are we going to compare ourselves this morning to the Pharisee in this passage, or are we going to compare ourselves to the prostitute? Now, you don't have to answer that at this point yet. Let's read the passage and hear what God is saying to us this morning. And before we read the passage, let's come to him in prayer. Father God, you freely and graciously extended your hand of mercy to us, and you've given us unconditional love and amazing grace. And at times, maybe we don't feel that we need it because we're not all that bad. I mean, sure, we do some good things in our lives. But through the power of your Holy Spirit, open our hearts and minds to hear what you are speaking to us today at this time in whatever place we are in. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Luke chapter 7, 36 to 50. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Well, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them loved him more. Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. 
But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's probably about 20 years ago, um, friends of ours, a husband and a wife, bought a house. And at that time, they mortgaged about 95% of the value of the house. And some of you may remember back 20 years ago when there was a celebration to just get a mortgage rate at 8.95%. Now, it's, I don't, it's so low now, right? 8.95% was great at that time. It was about a year later. The husband was about 30 years old. And he suffered a heart attack. And it was a serious heart attack. But he eventually was able to return to his regular routine and to work, and everything turned out okay. In fact, things turned out better than expected. Without being aware of it, along with their monthly mortgage payments, they obviously had signed on to pay a mortgage insurance that covered life insurance and disability insurance, which included heart attacks. To their surprise, after a few discussions with their lawyer, their banker, and several discussions with the insurance company, their mortgage was completely wiped out. After about one year, the house was theirs, free and clear. This young couple had their complete debt forgiven. They were grateful to the bank and to others who were involved in this, And this is a story that the couple has shared with many people, and to this day, they're still telling this story, and so am I, even on the pulpit, because it's a really cool story to celebrate, because when debts are wiped out, this is a transaction that impacts your finances greatly, but also impacts your lives greatly. So Jesus tells a cool story and parable in this passage about two people who have debts, and actually, it's a rather straightforward parable. Um, where all people being equal, it makes sense that the person with the larger debt cancelled would be more appreciative than the person with the smaller debt cancelled. So let's unpack here what's going on in this whole story. We have Simon. He's a legalist and a Pharisee. And so he's invited Jesus into his home, and Simon has already judged Jesus and sees Jesus as a blasphemer, because only God can forgive sins. And yet, Jesus graciously accepts this invitation and comes to dinner as the guest of honor. Jesus chooses not to ignore this sinner, this Pharisee, Simon. Now, in these ancient times, there were certain things that would typically occur when a guest entered a home. In this story, for those who watched what was transpiring, they were probably gasping at what was occurring through this incident. And it probably made its way through the town already, what was going on. Verse 36 immediately states how the Pharisee invited Jesus to dinner, and Jesus went and reclined at the table. And at this point, this is where the shocking gasps would begin. For Jesus to recline at the table was the normal part of the meal. That's how people ate in ancient times. But before anybody would recline, it was customary for the host to give a kiss, of just a kiss of greeting, usually on the face. It was then customary for one to 
for water to be brought to wash one's hands and feet. Karen used the example of clean hands, but in these times, people needed their feet washed too. Because remember, people are reclining at the table, so you want people's feet to be washed. I mean, these days in COVID, we're talking about moistly speaking over the food, but picture feet at the same level of your food, let alone dirty feet. So there'd also be olive oil provided, nothing too expensive, but it would be used for anointing. Now, none of these traditional common courtesies were offered to Jesus by Simon the Pharisee. And neglecting these things speaks loudly about Simon's behavior, and it speaks loudly to those who were present. Again, Simon had no intention to show Jesus any hospitality, but he likely hoped to condemn Jesus in his actions. Now, today, we have traditions as well. I mean, with people who come to the door. Today, we're probably going to go to the door, say, welcome, come on in, can I take your coat? Do you want to sit down? Would you like a coffee? And for those who even don't have the gift of hospitality, they'd still exhibit like some signs of welcoming people into their house, at least greeting them at the door and opening the door for them. So Simon, he did create an open door for Jesus by inviting him. And beyond that, he basically ignored his guest. And this would be seen as an insult. In verse 40, it states that Simon recognized Jesus as teacher, but he didn't welcome him as one. Simon didn't give any honor or any attention to this guest of honor. And so now the second set of gasps would have occurred because now this woman, boldly and with humility, enters into the room. She's uninvited. And if she is to be there, then she should at least be, know enough to be on the sidelines and not near Jesus. And she's not just any woman. And this woman's not given a name in this passage. But she's described by Simon in his thoughts as a sinner. She's described by the author Luke as a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town. People obviously knew the reputation of this woman, and she was likely a prostitute. This lady of the town intentionally brought perfume with her. Now, she could have used cheap olive oil, but she chose to use expensive perfume. And she was going to show her love for her Savior through pouring this expensive perfume on Jesus. Alabaster perfume was about 300 denarii a bottle. This is about a year's salary. So you got to understand, she was probably a busy prostitute. When she arrived, she probably had already heard about the dishonor and neglect that Jesus received from the host. She would have assumed that the host should have provided water to wash Jesus' feet, and this wasn't done. And now she didn't bring water and cloth to wash Jesus' feet either, but she would have seen the humiliation that Jesus was enduring in this house, and this made her upset So through this action, it provided tears, and so many tears, actually, that she was able to use her tears to wash Jesus' feet, to wash the feet of her Savior. Her tears are not being shed for her sins because she enters the room a forgiven sinner. Her tears are for her Savior's humiliation. More gasps will happen now. 
Because this story becomes more scandalous because she lets her hair down. Some of the rabbis at this time allowed husbands to divorce their wives if they put their hair down in public. And here we have it, this woman putting her hair down in public to wipe Jesus' feet. She was willing to humiliate herself to honor her Savior. This was a serious offense for a woman to be in public with her hair down. This woman was truly living up to her reputation of being a sinner. Her actions would be offending people because people were thinking that her actions were thought to be offending to God. But this woman is not being offensive to God. In fact, she was exactly the opposite because she was expressing her loyalty and her gratitude and her love to her Savior, Jesus Christ. And then Simon's in the background thinking, well, there's no way possible that Jesus is a prophet. Simon was disgusted with what was going on in his house. And Simon thought to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. But ironically, while Simon is thinking this, Jesus not only knows who she is, but he also knows who Simon is. And Jesus knows his thoughts. And if Jesus were able to know what Simon was thinking, he would have known what kind of sinner this woman was. And he was still accepting her offering of gratitude and love. Jesus knew what was in her heart and mind. And Jesus knew what was in Simon's heart and mind. Jesus knows our lives better than we even do. So Jesus then answers Simon. Simon, I have something to tell you. And Jesus tells Simon the parable of the people who had two debts canceled. And the person who showed the greatest amount of gratitude was the one who had the most debt canceled. This all makes sense. Our friends who had their full mortgage paid off, they were more grateful than if someone would have a $100 debt canceled. It's actually simple logic. Well, this woman had obviously heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus' grace and his compassion towards sinners. It should be noted that in verse 37, that Luke says she lived a sinful life. She lived a sinful life. Did you catch the past tense? She was coming to express her thanks to Jesus for forgiveness of sins. And this woman expresses her faith in Jesus, and not by loud voice, but by her quiet actions. This woman recognized that she lived a life of sin, that she was a big sinner. And now she is expressing big gratitude, a huge amount of love, that Jesus has forgiven her many sins. She is a big forgiven sinner. And she even... Or Jesus even says it to her. Your sins are forgiven. Humanly speaking, Simon figures that she is the bigger sinner. I mean, he may have messed up on some things in life, but nothing like this woman would have. And since Simon figures his debts, his sins were not that great, his debts were not that great, well, he may have just been a little sinner. And then... There's only a bit of a little response to be offered back. There was no need to show much gratitude if you're just a little sinner and you receive a little forgiveness. Simon doesn't acknowledge his own sins before God. 
and therefore assumes that he is in not need. He's not in need of much forgiveness. And so therefore he doesn't express any gratitude and love. Simon exhibits no relationship with Jesus. In fact, he treats Jesus in the opposite manner, with humiliation and insulting him, looking to trap him even in blasphemy. Simon knew about Jesus, but he did not know Jesus. He was not a follower of Jesus, and the prostitute was a follower. And if we're honest with ourselves, we probably at times behave more often like Simon than like the prostitute. We're called to be like the woman who is a great sinner, but also who is a forgiven sinner. Friends, before God, we are all sinners. Before God, we are in need. We are all in need of our massive debts being canceled. And God is like that spiritual banker where he has the control to wipe out all our debts. He wipes them out completely on account of his son, Jesus Christ, because of his, what Jesus did on the cross for his people. And the more that we understand how much debt has been canceled in our lives, the more we should respond in gratitude and thanksgiving to his debt cancellation program. God's debt cancellation should have a tremendous impact on all our lives. The empty cross should have a tremendous impact on our relationship with Jesus and how we respond to Jesus and whether we love lots or we love little and how we respond to others. You see, Jesus did not only go to the cross to save us from hell. Jesus died in order to save us from our sins. Jesus died to save us from being slaves to our sins in this life, to be indebted to our sins. In Jesus, we are free, and we are free already today. And we are called people to live that freedom, and we're called to show that freedom in our lives. What Christ has done for us has impacted our life greatly. Our debts have been canceled. Remember that song line that I brought up already earlier in the service that we sang? Let the saving love of Christ be the measure in our lives. God is in the business of canceling debts, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he will transform his people into debt-free, committed followers of Jesus Christ. So how does this transaction, this debt cancellation, Impact your relationship with your Savior. Are you living your life for Jesus? I think too often many people still walk around with this burden of debts. Let it go. God has wiped away all your debt. He's wiped away all your sins. And so people, let us live as if he has. Debt is burdensome. And most of us probably don't love debt, unless maybe if you're a banker. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we are without debt. Our debts have been removed. And we need to live our lives that way. On account of God's grace and forgiveness of all our sins, this doesn't mean now that we're indebted to Jesus, but we sure can express our gratitude knowing that all our sins have been washed clean. Not just the dirty hands, but the stuff that we don't see on our hands, the stuff that we don't see on our hearts. All our sins are washed clean. So let's respond by fully committing 
to Jesus. Respond by contributing towards the ministry of the church through our regular offerings of our possessions, through regular offerings of our time, through regular offerings of our spiritual gifts. And we don't do this out of obligation or guilt. No. Like, oh, somebody's got to do it. Okay, I'll do it. No, don't do it out of that. But do it out of gratitude and thanksgiving to our Lord and our Savior. And let's admit that we are all big sinners, that we are all in need of this big grace. And God has extended that enormous, abundant amount of grace to you. And he has forgiven all your sins. So let's not also miss out on how Jesus reaches out to the lost, to the tax collectors, and to the sinners. Out of response for our canceled debts, we too are called to reach out to those who seem difficult to reach. Reach out to our neighbors. What this passage says, great love comes from great forgiveness. And when we realize again how much of our debt, all of our debt, has been forgiven, great love should flow out of our lives. Reflect on what God has done for you. And how you can express that love back to him and to one another. Reflect on how God is using you to express your faith and love on account of his amazing grace. Again, we are all big sinners in need of big grace. I think sometimes too many of us might be like the Pharisees. And we've, when we think about it, we've been blessed to be born in a Christian family, go to a Christian school, attend Sunday school, have the freedom to go to church. And people, that has all been a good gift to many of us. But then sometimes it's so easy to take it for granted as well and take for granted that all our sins have been forgiven. So let's not respond and reach out like the Pharisee did. Let's respond and reach out like the woman did to Jesus. Knowing her sins and knowing God's forgiveness and grace. And respond how Jesus did to the woman. Let the, let, let's follow the actions of Jesus and reach out to the lost and to the hurting because that's what Jesus did to us, his people. I want to close off this message with Paul's words in 1 Timothy 1, 15-17, when Paul said this, Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. And together we say, Amen. Let us pray. And as we uh, pray this morning, we also want to uh, pray for Jennifer Branderhorst. Uh, this week she had an incident where blood uh, clots occurred in her lungs. And thankfully things are going okay. And we just pray for continued healing and, and thank the Lord that uh, he did spare her have any uh, further damage um, as well. And our heart goes out to Jennifer as well and to Rick. Let's pray together. God, we come before you acknowledging that we are sinners, 
that we are big sinners. We're in need of your big grace, your amazing grace. And help us to see our sins and to bring them before you, knowing that all our sins have been canceled. And that we are debt-free on account of Jesus, and that has implications for where we are going to spend eternity. But it also has implications how we live our lives now. So may your spirit work in us and convict us to respond in gratitude and thanksgiving. Help us to respond by loving you more and loving your people more and reaching out to all people, including other big sinners like us. Lord God, we thank you that you guide us and lead us. We thank you that you are our protector through challenging times and through times of blessings. We thank you, Lord, that we can celebrate freedom in Jesus and help us to be people who can see Jesus in all situations, even in the most challenging and difficult situations. We thank you for all the many blessings that you provide. We thank you for opportunities to serve in our communities, and we pray for all the ministries in our communities that reflect your love and grace. We thank you for all the leaders, volunteers, and various ministries that are going on in this church or or restarted in different ways that will restart shortly and in the many churches in this community and how you are calling us to do things differently through these times. We pray your blessing on your kingdom work in this town and beyond and, and in these circumstances of physical distancing. We pray that you pour out your spirit upon this region and this country and reclaim this country as yours. Lord, we know that you are in control of the many blessings that you, that you provide us, but we all recognize, and may we all recognize your presence, your love and your power, even in the midst of our struggles and pain. Lord, there are many of our members who are struggling, and we pray that you make yourself known to each of these people. We particularly pray for Jennifer at this time as she recovers from the blood clots in her lungs. We thank you for sparing her life, and we pray, Lord, that you will bring complete healing to her body. We lift up those in nursing homes or at their own home who are shut in, especially during times like this. We pray for those struggling with daily illness. We pray for continued healing with those who have had treatments or procedures. Provide hope and encouragement to each of your people and to their caregivers. Lord, there are others struggling among us, whether it be through forms of physical illness or mentalness. And there are those struggling with relationships, with the economic situation, with employment issues, with addictions, or with questions of life and help each person through their struggles. Provide each person a measure of your grace and your spirit to work in their lives. Lord, we know that you are the great physician, and we also know that your plans are greater than our plans. And right now, our plans are to pray for healing for our brothers and sisters. And we also know that healing might occur in different ways and among different people. But in all situations, may you receive the glory and the praise. Blessed be the name of the Lord. As the community of saints, we also pray for the schools beginning soon and how that can be safe for all who attend. We pray for all children and youth and young adults, wherever they may be attending school or staying home for online learning. We pray for teachers and staff and workers involved in the school system and ask that you protect them all. And We care for those who are suffering in this world. Extend grace to those who endure persecution for their faith. Extend strength to those who are struggling to find food and drink from one day to the next. And help us to share with those who hunger and thirst for physical food. Help us to share with those who hunger and thirst for spiritual food, for your word. And we bring all this and pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.